NFR Extra is a podcast dedicated to the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo and features icons and personalities that embody the Western lifestyle. So I'm going to ask the stereotypical South African question. Have you been in a shark cage? I have. You have? Yeah. Okay. So, would you ride a bull then? <laughs> no, I wouldn't ride a bull. I, no ways would I, I... If I was yeah. sitting in a cage and I could sit on the bull, maybe. Yeah. Have you had a cavity filled? Would you amputate your foot? That's <laughs> and uh, during the week of the, the, the two weeks of the NFR, and even during Las Vegas days, we have these we have horses basically walking up and down Main Street. Yeah. And the mayor's looking out of her window and there's horses there. And the city councilmen are all looking at they all text me, what are you doing out here? There's horses walking up and down Main Street. And the best thing somebody told me, they said, if, if anybody could see this, he'd be smiling in his grave. Right. Because to see downtown with horses walking yeah. up and down is, is pretty cool. Yeah, 100%. This is pro rodeo announcer Andy Seiler, and you are listening to NFR Extra. We are here today with Jonathan Jossel, uh, the CEO of the Plaza. And Jonathan, let's just jump right into it. I, I want to know, I want to know your background and and what brought you into this industry. The industry being uh, Las Vegas and the casino industry. Yes, right? sir. Uh, so I was born in South Africa, uh, grew up in England in London, um, and in uh, 2003, I was actually doing a thesis in England. I loved gambling. I loved sports betting. I loved all forms of gambling. And uh, as a consumer back then, I was into it. And I was studying then the impact of what would happen if Las Vegas-style casinos opened up in England. Literally, that was the title of the thesis. And through my family friends, I met a gentleman by the name of uh, Poyu Zabladovich, um, who had just invested in downtown Las Vegas. And uh, he said, I bought six casinos. And I said, well, it's not every day you meet someone who says that. <laughs> That's no joke. <laughs> and um, <laughs> he had bought them from Jackie Gorn. Now, you guys are probably fam yeah. definitely sure. familiar with Michael Gorn. Sure. That's Michael's father. And okay. so he was really the pioneer of downtown Las Vegas. He was involved in all the deals between him, Boyd, uh, Mal Expert. Those guys all built basically what is today downtown Las Vegas. And so Poyu had bought this portfolio of six casinos with the vision of the revitalization of downtown. And uh, he needed someone on the ground. And uh, I took uh, the opportunity of work experience. And I went out. I came out there in 2005. Any of you downtown in 2005 mm. you definitely weren't i definitely wasn't sorry <laughs> uh, i wasn't there legally but uh <laughs> I, I, was, by. I, I was was there I, any stampedes down there <laughs> well it went just trying to run away from things but yeah. <laughs> right, right exactly so um i came out in 05 and i was like okay this is this is cool that you bought these casinos but after about three or four weeks i they said thanks for the opportunity but i'm out of here and i was only 21 at the time so i said to really? him um I went back to England, worked for him because I made good relationships with his company. And just two years later, he came to me and said, hey, downtown Vegas is starting to change. And I need someone on the ground there who, and you're the only person I works with that isn't married or tied to any other uh, re reason to stay in London. And I was, I just broken up with my girlfriend and I was looking for a change and now I'm 23. And I was like, you know what, I'll go out there for three months or whatever and try it again. Although I was like, but by the way, two years ago was terrible. So 
I'm, I'm not that excited about sure. this. <clears throat> I went out there in 2007 and I like, landed. I went to the plaza. I was like, okay, this place is still a dump. Not much has changed. Uh, we went to this bar called the Downtown Cocktail Room. Any of you guys familiar with that? Mm-hmm. And uh, in the bar, there was like three people. And I started talking to them, and one of them was building a high-rise downtown. One of them owned the bar, and one of them just loved what downtown was. And these three young guys became my best friends. And between the four of us, we started talking about, well, how can we change the face of downtown? How can we start doing things down here that are cool? And this is 2007, so no one's down there. Of course, then there was a recession. But that's basically how I ended up here, because I believed there was an opportunity in Vegas um, to make a difference. In England, everything is so established and built out. It's very hard to make a difference. But in downtown, there was this blank canvas. And to a degree, there's still this huge opportunity down there to develop it. But there's nowhere else in the world you can do what we're doing down there and try new things, build new things, be creative. And so it was, a, it was just an interesting opportunity for me and uh, decided that after three months, became six months, became nine months, ultimately met my wife, who's from San Diego. And uh, now I love it. been living there for 16 years. That's pretty interesting because from my limited perception of this, you know, you say that, and I've never been to London, but that everything's established there. And you would think that from an outsider's perspective of coming to Las Vegas to where, okay, this is almost played out. And then if you want to be part of something, you have to go down here to where it's happening. You saw kind of the a, a pulse on something that most people would have considered dead. So was there any other direction that you saw on revitalizing the downtown? And, and it's like, no, we can really do this. Because there had to have been a lot of other people that maybe tried that, but it just was like, no, don't touch that. I think there was a lot of people probably that had ideas about it, but I think to, to your point, Las Vegas, everyone thinks of the Strip. Right. No one was thinking about downtown back right. then. Now, at that time, the only other person who was really championing it was the mayor, Mayor Oscar Goodman. Mm-hmm. And he was really a force that said the city has to come back to its core. And Vegas began in downtown. That's where the history is. If you look at the all the history books of where it began in 1906, it, it's all downtown. Everything was happening there, but... To your point, the Strip was established. Downtown needed some new energy, some new blood, some new ideas of how could it come back. And I think some of the uh, stories I've heard about the casino owners back in the 50s and 60s, they were just stuck in their ways. They weren't right. willing to try new things. And so the Strip overtook it in a, in a massive way. And that's where downtown needed this new ideas to come back. And you guys have quite a few renovations going on. That it's It's been a, a long time coming. Yeah, so we we um, we actually sold the Las Vegas club. So of the six casinos that this guy owned, that Paul you owned, uh, it, most of them were sold off. One of them was sold to Derek Stevens, who built Circa across the street from us. We used to own the Las Vegas club that was there, and uh, and so we sold a bunch of the properties. One was sold to Tony Shea um, when he was coming into downtown with uh, Zappos and trying to. He was a huge catalyst into what happened in downtown and putting it on the map and getting people talking about it in a positive way. And then at the plaza, we were remodeling it. Um, Basically, it started in 2010 when we shut down and we bought all the furniture from the Fountain Blue. The Fountain Blue went bankrupt in 2007 or 8. We bought all the furniture from it, remodeled the plaza, but we we only touched certain areas of it, and that was a mistake. We should have done the whole thing at that time. A lot of people said you should knock it down and build from scratch. I took a different view. I thought we could really improve it. It had great bones, just needed a lot of love and tender care sure so uh we bought all the furniture from the fountain blue started the remodel um and that, that was the first phase of it but then over the last few years we've redone the pool deck we've redone the convention floor we've redone the we added the pickleball courts to the pool um we've re, we've built a few new food and beverage outlets and then most recently 
we uh, well we un- we redid the whole casino floor, all new slot product, new casino carpet, and then more recently we just last year we opened the carousel bar. I shouldn't say last year. We opened it last month, but we started building it last year. We opened the carousel bar, uh, pink box donuts, which is seventy flavors of donuts, a giant pink donut in the front of it. Have you guys seen it? Oh yeah. Um, a lot of people gave me flack for it, said it's a little nuts to do that in the front of the building, but actually it's been very well received. It's fun. We still have the iconic lights under the plaza. The carousel bar is great. And then next to the carousel bar, we have a small little uh, venue we built, which is our smoke-free casino. Uh, it's the first of its kind downtown. It's a casino that's smoke-free. Sure. Um, and then on the roof of that, we have a patio, an outdoor patio for our steakhouse, which is called Oscar's, named after Oscar Goodman, the former mayor. And he uh, he's our partner in that. And we have this outdoor patio, which is great. Really nice. I think it's awesome, too, that with all the new things you're doing, you still kept some of that old-school flair because Oscars does have that that casino, goodfellas yeah. kind of vibe, you know. I mean, so it's you, – you do have the new coming, but you also are kind of tipping your cap to the, the days of old as well. It, it's so hard to do that, and yet it just sort of feels like it happens organically. I, I, lo- I love that you say that. Thank you, because we want that. We want to keep that feeling. A lot of that feeling comes from the people. You know, Some of the servers and Oscars have been there since day one. They've got the history – They've worked there. They understand the culture. Uh, a lot of it, com- a lot of that comes from the people. Because the truth is, we've redone the entire building. There's not a single part of it that looks like there. But the lighting, the the music, the effects create that feeling. Um, but if you look at the building from the outside, other than the light bulbs, which people love, we have these murals on the building, which are very new. We have the pink box donuts. We have the carousel bar. We have the pickleball courts. So we're constantly changing it, but yet trying to tie back to the history of it and and, and honor that. What's with pickleball? It's a great question. Um, <laughs> I'm just curious. I'm not a pickleball enthusiast, but that's, I mean, that's one of those can, things. Can like, I tell my story I told you? Absolutely. Like, yeah. So so pickleball uh, is a sport that was, I guess it started becoming popular um, during the pandemic. It's become wildly popular. Uh, since then, it's the fastest growing sport in America. That's not because one person played and now two people played, so it grew 100%. Right. There's, <laughs> <laughs> there's thousands of people playing and now Sunset Park's got a huge, huge facility all over the country. It's being talked about. We invested in 2017. We built this facility. It's ba- it, to, to tell you what it is, it's mini. It's if tennis and table tennis had a baby. Okay. It would be pickleball. It's a wiffle ball, and it's a fun game, and it's just exploded. So we have 16 courts at the plaza. We do conventions. We have companies buying them out. We have private events. We do tournaments. We have uh, recreational play on the weekends. But last week, I got a call from Zach Bryan, his manager, who played at T-Mobile in a sold-out arena. And all he wanted to do before playing T-Mobile was play pickleball with his team. So they all came down and played pickleball at the plaza last (laughs) weekend. And uh, it's something we're leaning into because my view on everything in business, but downtown especially, is where else in the world could I build 16 pickleball courts in 2017? It's sort of why I play up the bingo thing. It's sort of why I do the equestrian center and the rodeo downtown. It gives us a way to differentiate and to bring people to downtown to experience different things. So... Pickleball wasn't, everyone laughed at me at first. They're like, well, hold on. This isn't NFL. This isn't MLB. This isn't UFC. What are you doing? What's pickleball? But now it's, now they're like, pickleball. okay. Yeah, it's pickleball. Yeah, that forward <laughs> thinking that kind of got you there. Um, and in that pickleball conversation, you made mention of uh, Equestrian Center. Yeah. Visit with me about that. So um, about, you'll appreciate this, but about five years ago, I was sitting there in December and it was our slowest time of the year. And it was between that period of Thanksgiving and Christmas and no one's in Vegas. And sorry, everyone's in Vegas, but not at our place. Right. And and I'm thinking, so what am I doing? How do I get these people? And I would walk down Fremont and the Golden Nugget was busy. And 
not everyone was busy, but but then you go to the strip and there's just cowboys everywhere and people everywhere and I can say that right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and uh, it, it was just busy everywhere. So I said, like, well, "How do I get this?" So so I called LVE and I talked to Pat uh, Christensen and Bo and I said, "They said you well, you got to sponsor LVE and become a partner of the whole thing." So we did that, and uh, it started out good, but that wasn't quite enough. And then the next evolution of that was, "Well, how can we?" build activations on our site and, and, and grow into this. And that's where the idea is. We have 17 acres downtown of land that was undeveloped. And so the idea was if you build this equestrian center with two different uh, arenas within it, it has 3,000 seats. During the NFR, we go up to about 250 stalls. Um, we could compete and bring a new demographic to downtown that wasn't coming there and do events. Obviously, in the summer, it's, it's, not, it's not enclosed. So in the summer, it's a little too hot for it. But my inspiration for it was, I mentioned his name in the beginning, Jackie Gorn's son, Michael Gorn. Yep. I, I love what he does at South Point. So if I could be a mini version of that downtown Las Vegas, and he's a he's a mentor and a great friend and someone I look up to. So you know, I could bounce ideas off of him and, and, and talk to him about it. And if I could learn a little 10% of what he does, 5% of what he does, it would be great for downtown. So that's where the idea came from. And uh, it was a little risk, because I'll be honest, I didn't know a lot about uh, rodeo and equestrian and so it was, a, it was a learning curve for me, and I'm still learning about it, but we have this facility that we activate now, and we do other events there. We have the Las Vegas Days Parade, which used to be the Hell Dorado. Not the parade, Las Vegas Days Rodeo, which used to be the Hell Dorado. Mm-hmm. Um, and then during NFR, we have events for the entire two weeks, basically. Well, it's great, too, because those events that you guys have during the NFR, uh, I mean, we talk about with the, the Junior World Finals that LVE hosts, that it gives the youth an opportunity to make actual money while they're out here. And since there's multiple events at multiple locations, you're not only exposing your property, but you're giving the youth of our sport an opportunity to compete. So that's, that's awesome on y'all's behalf. I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, and I think overall, when you think about like our demographic with that youth comes the families, right? And that's the reality of Las Vegas. We want to ensure that, this continues to grow and what your property has been able to do is now cater to all demographics within that. Like you think about even Las Vegas days in its own, you now have this opportunity for a family night for locals, but you also are getting that flow from Fremont that now they get to come watch this rodeo for free. Right. And that's something that they don't experience any time throughout the year. What are your rodeo dates this year? November 10th and 11th um, is Las Vegas days. Um, and then obviously the, f- the first two weeks of the NFL will have different events out there and activations. But I agree with you. The, the Las Vegas days is very cool to see, to give people and young people the opportunity. I have, to, I did take my son to do some mutton busting. <laughs> <laughs> it was a disaster. And we thought swimming with sharks was a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> my wife was out of town and I put my son on a sheep and she was like, what are you doing? And then, uh, he wasn't placed correctly apparently. And, and, and the sheep ran into the wall hit his head on the thing oh, and fell down. It was great. It was perfect. a really good first experience. Yeah. Um, but, but, uh, but yeah, it's great for kids to, to expose them to that and, and for the community to have a rodeo. I don't know of anyone else that's doing them, um, on, at least professional and to that level. And we want to build on that. We want to do other events. We want to keep growing uh, our, our contribution to the community. So thank you for that. I think that uh, one thing, minus the traumatic experience that your son obviously <laughs> had with the mutton busting, um, but when Bo Gardner talked about wanting to do the junior world finals and starting off with that, I personally thought this is a nightmare waiting to happen with logistics of what you're wanting to do, but he had a vision and went forward with it and, and just continued to grow. 
And uh, kind of the story that I'm building up on this is that, you know, before I had children myself, everybody would say like, oh man, Vegas is no place for kids or no place for a family. And on the contrary is, I mean, my youngest daughter share, you know, and is her birthday is December 13th and that my family loves coming to Las Vegas. And I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's a very family friendly place. And when you have those places that it's not, you know, this is no, no kids allowed, but you just allow that to where like, yes, this is a great experience. We're giving a platform for them to compete, to have the next generation to be here. And it's not something to where the parents say like, well, I'm going to Vegas, but I can't take the kids. But you have that to yeah. where like, I'm going to Vegas. And whether it's, you know, the, the, the rodeo in November, or if it's the NFR in December, bring the family and you can see what a plethora of opportunity there is for the whole entire family to have an outstanding time. Um, I totally agree with you, but make me feel better. Did you let your kids when they were four years old, Martin bust? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. My, they, uh, yeah, I did. No, I'm not saying that you're a bad parent. I'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> what was formerly known as yeah. abuse is now <laughs> right. called yeah. entertainment. Right. And we, you, you don't straighten up. I'm going to mutton bust you again. Right. He was like, I'm not doing that next time. <laughs> uh, so you're I, raising them right. I, I agree with you. And I think that actually is, as, as we, we need to do more to lean into that. And yes. I think that's why giving us having those uh, outdoor event centers where you have place for kids to perform and, and, and enjoy the city is so important because if you don't have that, then what are they supposed to do all day? Right. And, and so we have that. And uh, I love the idea that we can have people riding their horses, competing, uh, as we say, kiss your horse goodnight outside on the parking lot, and then come that inside. That is so cool. Yeah. Come inside and have a steak and a, and a martini if you want. Not yeah. the kids, but uh, <laughs> right. Eh, if you want them to sleep good, you know. <laughs> right, right, right. But but it's also smart on your part because you're you're not only building these other family activations, but you're inspiring the next generation to come to Vegas. Which you know, selfishly, you also want that to be your next customer. But right. you're giving an opportunity to create that customer versus just telling people, hey, you need to come here. Well, now you're giving them a reason why. Yeah, and we also have the Downtown Christmas Expo, which uh, which has really grown into an amazing trade show downtown, and we've got great partners in that. So I think that that's another thing for people to be doing. There's the, um, what's the thing called when you have the fake horse, the little thing, and they, they rope it? Oh, the horse saver. Yeah, oh, the dummy, dummy roping, the dummy yeah. roping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we got the dummy roping in front of this. So that's that we yeah. did that so that the kids have a place to go as well instead of the casino. And that's you know later whatever. But uh, <laughs> that <laughs> go back to your kids. Give me ten, ten bucks for cotton candy. I need it back. Um, but th but that sort of stuff there too is like the kids love it. And the same thing as Cowboy Christmas is you have those things to where the parents can do stuff, the kids can do stuff. Everybody's entertained on it. But um, I think it's just a really positive direction to go because. It's also really re kind of like how the downtown where you saw that of like, there's something to be had here is you can almost do that with Las Vegas and kind of build a new direction and mindset with everybody to where like, don't take your kids to Vegas. And you look at all the other sporting events that are coming here to where Las Vegas is, it's a great city and yeah. it does have something for everybody. Well, well, we, um, we have the 250 horse stalls down there and then we also have the overflow parking. And, uh, during the, week of the, the the two weeks of the nfr and even during las vegas days we have these we have horses basically walking up and down main street yeah and the mayor's looking out of her window and there's horses there and the city councilmen are all looking at they all text me what are you doing out here there's horses <laughs> walking up and down main street and the best thing somebody told me they said if benny binion was alive or sorry if benny binion could see this he'd be smiling in his grave right. because to see downtown with horses walking yeah. up and down is yeah. is pretty cool yeah 100 percent. absolutely could you imagine like sitting in a room with him today and talking about the evolution that is happening downtown, just, just at your property alone, like in that sense, 
when you think about the impact that he had in the Western lifestyle, let alone the NFR coming to this town, what do you think that conversation would be just a little bit about? It'd be awesome. It'd be great. I mean, I would love to do that. I'd love to be able to talk to him and Jackie Gorn, just the two of them together, just to hear that history and how they understood taking care of people, which people just don't get anymore. But the key to it all is how you take care of people. And those two guys got it better. One, I think Benny probably got it better with the customer and Jackie got it better with his own team members. But between them, they just knew how to take care of people and give people a good time. And that's really all it's about. And um, yeah, that would be a good conversation. If you could make that podcast, that would be pretty cool. (laughs) Wow, wouldn't that be something? Yeah. I will say, you know, we were talking earlier today on a couple other notes, just Vegas and hospitality. Touch a little bit on what you have just been a part of, like coming from London, I guess I will say, because I think those are two very different worlds as a customer that walks into a hotel. What can you, like, what are the kind of the differences when you think about like what Vegas has to offer versus anywhere else in the world? Well, there's, there's sort of two parts to that. So the, the, the idea in, in, in Vegas is, and I take great pride in this in downtown, I think we all do, is the idea that we are present owners of our business. We're not publicly held. We're not shareholders. We're not, uh, we're, we're the present owners of the builder, uh, business. We're living there. We're breathing it. We're getting to see it day to day with our team members. It's very hard to see that in Las Vegas anymore. It used to be that way, but now right. everything is publicly owned, uh, corporate, uh, a lot more corporate. And so we're, we're down there in downtown and there's a, there's a really f- good feeling of uh, ownership and, and caring about the outcome of it. And the, the, the mistake people make is they think in downtown we're all competing, but we're really not. I want everyone to do well downtown because it only brings more people to downtown. So when a new casino opens, it's great for all of us. A new restaurant opens, it's great for all of us. As East Fremont develops, as the Arts District develops, uh, as Symphony Park with 800 residential units develops, this is only good for all of us downtown. So there's this great camaraderie that we're all trying to build something bigger. And by being present owners, we take a, a, a deeper sense of care in terms of how we take care of people. And I do think the feedback I hear from customers is, it's great that they get to meet us and they get to talk to us and they get to tell us their concerns and I know what their kids are doing. I know what their families are doing. And it's not just me, but it's my whole team cares about the people, gets to know them. There isn't this cold sense. And I'm not knocking anyone else. I just hear that downtown that that's happening and people love that 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 connection is happening. Um, It's very hard to compare it to England because culturally here there's just this level of friendliness where you want to talk to everyone england is a, people a little bit more standoff they 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 wait once they get to know you they're much more comfortable but there isn't this sense of just walk up to everyone and talk to them and i think in, in las vegas we really do a good job of that and making people feel special getting to know them and and giving them that experience that they come for let's take a quick pause and we'll be right back want to relive the best nfr moments from the last 37 years We've got you covered at nfrexperience.com. Check out the NFR History tab at the website for a walk, or should we say gallop, down memory lane. You'll find images, recaps, and videos from the greatest moments from the last 37 years in Las Vegas. From Ty Murray to Trevor Brazil, Louis Field to Casey, Charmaine James to Mary Berger, Fred Whitfield to Joe Beaver, and everything in between, you'll find it here. There's something for all rodeo fans. Check it out at nfrexperience.com because legacies and memories are made in Vegas. So I'm going to ask the stereotypical South African question. Have you been in a shark cage? I have. You have? Yeah. Okay. So would you ride a bull then? 
No, I wouldn't ride the bull. <laughs> I, no ways would what? I. I, if I was yeah. sitting in a cage and I could sit on the bull, maybe. Yeah. Have you had a cavity filled? Would you amputate your foot? That's <laughs> I don't think those compare at all. Because to so me, either. mind you, I do have severe anxiety and I fear fish like no other. It's pathetic. But a but shark cage, there's yeah. no way in heck. Put me on a bull? Okay. Well, like you're protected. Tank, you're pro- what are you protected on the bull? Right. Well, you're I'm protected. A- you have a helmet and a vest. You're fine. You have guys that are going to circle the bull away from you. Like, if a shark bites you, you're nobody's How's saving you. How's it through the cage? What if the cage breaks? There's <laughs> nobody to save you in that <laughs> instance. If right. the helmet breaks, but somebody then a unicorn is flies down, and this is, we're going down a rabbit hole. Right? Yeah. Holy you know, cow! I'm, I'm 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 going in the shark tank any day before I'm riding the bull. Really? Really? That's not even close. Andy, what are you? Uh no, I I would definitely get on a bull. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah but I mean, you've probably done that before. No, actually, I, oh, I've never. It? No, I, I ride horses and stuff, but I, I have no reason to get on a bull. But I've, uh, I, I watched Jaws at a young age. And so I, Jaws I want, does I want nothing to do it. with any sort of cage. No, I'm good. Yeah. No, I've done it. Um, it wasn't that bad. You're, you're, the, the water's cold. Oh, I'm <laughs> the water's sure. Cold <laughs> than the, scared, it's scarier than the sharks. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, they're, they're, it's not like the movies where they're banging their heads into the cage until they get to you. To, but they smell fear, so I'm as good as dead. Like they'd be like, "We've got this guy. <laughs> we got this guy." Yeah. Oh. So, what would Thank be you. like the biggest culinary difference between South Africa and here? Uh, I mean, the you know, it, it's totally different. They they have um, they call it a braai, not a barbecue. Okay, uh, a braai is basically a barbecue, but with different types of so- South African meats. But um, basically, the the main difference to me is just you're eating fish fresh out of the sea. Uh, here you're eating it fresh, but it's coming from somewhere else. So they have very traditional South African fish like kinglip, uh, sole, which are delicious, mm-hmm. come out of the fish, uh, come out of the ocean day one, and you're eating it right there and then in, in Cape Town. Um, whereas here it's being flown in from somewhere else. Now, if you're sitting in a restaurant, a fancy restaurant, they might say this fish was in Greece yesterday, and mm-hmm. you can never prove if that's true or not. It could have been in Lake Mead, but... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> They're telling you it was in Greece yesterday, and you're yeah. believing them, and uh, you're paying a lot for it. But sounds good, <laughs> right? Right, but that, that, that yeah, the, the freshness of their uh, their seafood is hard to beat. And see, Steve's in cattle country, and and I, I love fresh beef as well. But to me, it's very very difficult to beat fresh fish. Like oh, when yeah. you when you catch it, you know, and clean it and cook it that night. I mean, it is very very difficult to beat yeah. fresh fish. No, for sure. Um, they do have a really good steak there as well. Really good. Uh, you ever had burros? You ever had a biltong? It's like <laughs> Are you speaking English? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> biltong, I think, biltong, I think biltong we lost is, him. Um, <laughs> it's like, a, it's jerky. It's South African okay. jerky. Okay. It's, it's, I'm going to get you guys a bag of it. You're going to love it. Huh. So what would be something strange that they eat in South Africa that we don't have here? Um, I don't know. Strange crocodile. That's strange. Oh. Well, I mean, we we have gator. He's meat. from you Florida. Can, yeah, do you, you eat crocodile? Yeah. No, nah, I eat gator, but I don't. I mean, you do eat gator. Yeah. It just probably tastes like chicken. Yes, yes, it does. Yeah, Very chewy. Alligator. Yeah, it's true. Okay. So, how old were you when you moved to London? Uh, I was young. I was six. But I, okay. but I, we would go back to South Africa a lot. I had family there. Um, spent a lot of time going back there. From England, it's not that hard to get. There. It's a long flight, but there's no time change. From here, it's terrible. Oh man, here it's impossible. The other side of the world. Yeah. I think it's as far away from here as anywhere in the world. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much as far as you can. It's about 22 hours from here flying. Uh, and there's nothing direct. You're stopping somewhere. Oh. Yeah, it's a, it's a, no, it's thank a, you. It's, it's a long way from here. But I grew up, I grew up in England. I mean, I, I, I definitely grew up there. And there's, there's not much rodeo in England <laughs> or <laughs> South Africa. But now, in England, it's more, I guess, normal, I guess I will use. But 
to see like polo and those things. Like there still is a oh, equestrian yeah. side of the oh, world. Horse oh, horse racing is yeah. huge. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, horse racing is probably bigger there than it is here. They yeah. love horse racing. I mean, there's horse racing every single day and there's big races. I mean, yeah, no, the, the, the horse racing is huge in England and they're polos for very fancy, wealthy people. Um, but no, there's no rodeo uh, that I'm aware of. But but um but yeah, definitely a qu- definitely horse racing and polo and I didn't do any of those things growing up there. Play rugby, cricket, football. But you played rugby? Oh yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. that's a different level. Like I, I mean, I'm I'm a huge football fan, and I know you guys have books and stuff, and I love sports betting. But rugby is like that's a that's a totally different level of toughness. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, I I remember one time being tackled, and it was freezing cold in England, and I was laying in the mud with some like guys piling on top of you. I was like, "Yeah, I'm done." <laughs> and then, and that's oh, what, what are we will, doing. This here? will be the last time I ever. Yeah. I'll, I'll switch back to tennis. That's where the dream of pickleball came. Where's pickleball say, come from? We had to CEO. We, yeah. Yeah, that's that's what yeah. I switched to. Pickleball. Dad, I'm holding out for a management position. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're, you're laughing now. You're going to read about pickleball after. This. I have no doubt, but that's yeah. where I mean, yeah. Well, th- this is when I knew we were in trouble. I, I was in an airport the other day, and it was a, a slow sports day. But sure enough, on ESPN two, there was a pickleball tournament, and I'm like. We are watching unathletic people play oh, yeah. a sport on national television. Cornhole. Is yeah. It's a sport for everybody. Yeah. It's true. It is true. I guess. I, I yeah. mean, it's funny, though, because in between games, you know, if you watch like Wimbledon, they're drinking water and Gatorade in between games. Yeah. So like for pickleball, they're slamming beers <laughs> right. and they're, yeah. you know, their pep you lose, talks are lose. a lot shorter, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, we got way off track and I want to go back to this, but um, on Oscars, you got me on the slamming the beer side, kind of excited on, you know. Do you slam a beer at Oscars? Well, that's where I was Please going don't. with it. Doesn't, yeah, it doesn't <laughs> seem like one of those deals. But is the martini, it's the Oscars, uh, the martini is kind of the staple drink there. Is that correct? Yeah, and he has it with the jalapeno, which, okay. I, which I, I like olives. He likes a jalapeno. We do this very cool thing. If you guys haven't been, I'd love to have you at the next one, where Oscar tells old stories about his old clients. You're familiar with who uh, yeah, his clients right. were. Yeah. So he represented the mob uh, prior to becoming the mayor in geez, oh my God, 2001, maybe. Uh, he became the mayor, and then now his wife's the current mayor. Right. She ran after him. So they've been mayors for 25 years. Uh, but he was the most popular mayor in the history of Las Vegas in terms of vote counts. And um, he, he did a great job. But Pride Day was the attorney to the mob, and he had very interesting clients. He played himself in the movie Casino. And so in the movie Casino, he's the attorney to the mob. He's, Robert, he's representing Robert De Niro, Tony Spilotro. But Tony Spilotro was his client in real life. Um and uh, there's a statue of them in Oscars. There's a few stories of that. But during these dinner series, once a quarter or once every two months, um, it's called the Oscars Dinner Series. He'll tell stories. So you guys should come to the next one. Mm. Three of you should join us. And uh, it's pretty great. And, I, and he, he's getting older. And to be honest with you, there aren't characters like that anymore in Las Vegas. There's just It, it isn't happening like that. Right. So to hear these stories firsthand and the things that were going on is, is pretty cool if you want to understand the history of Vegas. So what is that just open to anybody that can come to Oscars and it's kind of... No, so we sell tickets to it. It's okay. a, it the ticket includes dinner, a martini that he drinks with the jalapeno, uh, wine, and then you hear the stories. He talks, he usually talks, depends on if he has too many drinks or if he goes... <laughs> but he usually talks for about 40 minutes. Wow. Um, and then we do a Q&A. It's pretty much always the same questions in the Q&A, but... Um, uh, people ask them anyway and it's it's uh, we probably can the room holds about 120 people but it's usually the same 60 or 70 people that want to come back and hear the stories and then about 40 or 50 new people each time wow it's pretty cool 
that was uh, my very first year um, again at the convention center when we had we we're trying to get everything kicked off. Bo Gardner uh, had me and we we're doing a media meet and greet, and this old guy comes walking down with a martini and two showgirls on either side. And I go, "Who? Who's this guy?" And it's like, mind you, it's like eight in the morning. He's I don't know. I mean, if that was his first martini, I don't know. I don't probably his third. Yeah. And I go, who is that? He goes, that's the mayor. I was like, God, I love this city. Like, this is amazing. Well, well, if you want to hear something great, he, um, so he, when he was the mayor, Hoyu, who's the gentleman that sent me out here in 2007, in 2006, he had a meeting with Oscar and he had never met him. Now, if you've met Poyu, he's, he's got a heavy accent. He's from Finland. So he goes to the meeting with Oscar, not knowing what to expect, sort of like you. He's like, wow. And the guy's on a throne. And, uh, he says to him, so what are your intentions with the plaza? So he starts talking. He says, let me stop you now. Uh, it's a blight on downtown. You need to make it great. And if you don't, I have some clients that owe me a favor, and I'll take it to the ground. <laughs> now, if you're, a guy, if, you're, if you're a guy from Finland who's got no idea what you're, you just walked into a room with this, and he's, telling, he's basically threatening you with arson on the plaza, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, sounds good. So we're going to focus on that right now. And now he's our partner. That's wow. awesome. <laughs> But with and with that, so I mean, obviously, the uh, night with Oscar is what that's called. The Oscar's dinner series. Oscar's dinner series, and then uh, the jalapeno martini. Mm -hmm. So, what would be the best? If, like, if you said you have to have this at Oscar's, what meal am I shooting for? Um, have you ever had a rib cap? Yes, I'd go. Rib oh, you got your hands up. It's heavenly. Yeah. Rib cap. Yeah, I'm a rib cap guy now. I never was, and and to be honest, it's tough because most places when you travel don't have rib caps. Yeah, uh, but at Oscar's, it's really special. I don't necessarily always love the New York steak, but I do at Oscars. Um, steak and Oscars. I'm in New York, or rib cap. Or what you do is, because the four of us, you're family style. You get a ribeye, rib cap, New York, slice it and do family style. Uh, and then to start, you got to have a burger and a martini. A burger and a martini to start. Mm. That's a lot. Now, I'm, I mean... But I'd also be like one of those sharks you swam with where my eyes roll yeah. black and you give me four <laughs> martinis and just reaching for stuff. See the cage. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what I do. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah. Well, but, when you're a professional pickleball player, you need to get the, yeah. <laughs> get the real athlete. When you're yeah. real athletes, you got to get the, the energy levels up. Yeah, so, well, that's incredible. And so, uh, yeah, that's going to be a lot. But the rib cap and the jalapeno martini are definitely going to be, I think, on my, my to-do list. And yeah, just, to hear cool. Oscar... See, say some of those stories would be I mean that is like because every time I fly I live in Montana so every time I fly to Vegas I have to mentally prepare so I watch casino and oh. just you know I know which parts to fast forward through and get to and and watch it but so that there's, is um there's a scene in casino where Sharon and Robert are having a fight mm. in a restaurant that's in Oscars no kidding uh, that's in oh. Oscars there's a there's two scenes one's uh Piero's okay there's another one where they have a fight in Oscars and when you come to Oscars next time there's two things that remain from the movie there's the gold handrails, which are the same ones as before. And then there's the reflection in the glass. So next time you come, I'll show you that booth where they're having that famous fight. And um, what I tell everyone to watch that movie, because it's actually an incredible insight into operating a casino. It's very well researched, very well thought. It's, it's, it's pretty accurate in terms of how the surveillance systems work, how the reporting systems work, how the operations of the casino go. So that, the insights are great, plus it's just a, one of the best movies of Time, of sure. all time, yeah, hundred um, percent. So no, there, there's a very famous scene in Oscars. You have to come and see it. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, it's and it's. We're going there tonight. <laughs> We're going there for our first dinner. Where's the second one? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on how many jalapeno martinis I have. I live here now. You, you, where do you stay when you're in town? 
Uh, depends on wherever Las Vegas events. Uh, we move them yeah. around all the time. I'm I'm essentially like a stray dog. They just got to find a spot to put me into here or there, and <laughs> okay, not With take good too security. much blame. But yeah. if I if you're going where I think you go, I, I live at the at the uh, plaza now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> deal. Yeah, that's it. I'll meet you there for a martini. I want to go so bad. So we we have a podcast at the plaza, and uh, during the podcast, we usually have a martini and we film it in Oscars. So. Uh, Martini, a podcast. Why are we here? Where's my martini? <laughs> I was trying oh, to. I had I a whole bottle working. of Pendleton. I guess I missed the martini memo. Oh. I guess we don't drink a lot of martinis in this office specifically. Because they hate fun. Well, unfortunately, we are times. still on the clock. <laughs> At least I am. I've been on the clock since I got here. <laughs> what are you doing here while you're in town? Uh, just trying to stay out of trouble, apparently. So uh, pretty... this particular trip is is pretty tight turnaround um we leave tomorrow but andy you and notice I, how he turned the interview around on us exactly yeah. now I'm, I'm like oh my god like yeah how much money do you make before taxes i'm like six dollars i don't know um no so we uh yeah kind of do this and then hang out and then we get stacked with uh the interviews and try to get interviews and then roll on but um this is by far my most favorite interview that i've had i'll say in the last hour <laughs> 10 minutes for sure i mean it finally started getting good once the pickleball player came out oh yeah well, no I, we should have you guys come down uh whenever we can organize it to come see the carousel bar because it's pretty cool yeah it's, it's a fun place we got little horses moving up and down the the, the famous lights and have some drinks so we'll start an oscars and go down there yeah do they have seat belts just i mean as the drinks continue. i'm waiting you can't for the ride first the horse. I'm waiting. oh oh you can't ride the horse yeah. oh okay no. i'm waiting for the first guy who gets drunk enough to jump <laughs> i was gonna say I'll, I'll i'm be there sure in a little it will bit. happen because yeah. it'll probably be steve go yeah. So I'll how, make sure to video it for you so don't. that it can go please viral don't. and yeah. say, uh, please not. do not. And then he can be like on the little screen behind the bar. And like, instead of commercials playing when you have the sports up there, it'll just be Steve. Do not do this. Yeah. And then we Oscar's going to. We're getting a giant seven foot martini glass. I will and, be in it. And we're waiting for the first guy to jump in that. We're also having bets on that. So we'll see. Let we're me gonna, know when it's there. Jump on the horse from the horse into the martini glass. Te tease me with a good time. I will be there. It is close to Fremont Street. Oh. Yeah, no, that's great. So, uh, can I ask you a personal question? I'd love to hear it. Okay, so you have three children. Yeah. Do and I have a favorite. Well, <laughs> do you, do you have a, if you have a daughter, I know the answer to that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and four, I know, is the mutton buster. How old are your kids? Uh, my daughter just turned four. My son, who went mutton busting, is now five, and uh, my oldest son is seven. Okay. So that's, with what you're doing there, how do you find the family balancing act and all that? So it's really difficult. Um, I, luckily, I have a great wife. I have to put that on the podcast. Yes, she's, absolutely. She's an amazing, amazing mother as well. But it's difficult because in the early days, the way to get into the casino business, I believe, is you have to live and breathe it. Right. You have to be in there every single day. So I would spend nights in there. And when I first moved to town and I was 23, you have to learn how Vegas works. So you got to go to those nightclubs, you got to the graveyard workers, sure. all the different types of people that are in that make this town tick, and so I I spent a lot of late nights, a lot of days in the casino. You know, one there was a period of time before we did the remodel. I wanted to understand when you walk into the plaza, what's the first thing you see? What's the first signage you see? What's the first slot machine you see? What catches your eyes? What's your first experience? So I spent a lot of time doing that, and uh, I think that helped me understand. And then also getting to our team members. I just think you have to live and breathe the business. And I've seen that with the best operators, whether it's Michael Gorn 
or any of the others, they live and breathe this business. And they don't even see it as work. It's just what they do for fun, right? They go there, they're with their team, they're hanging out. And I, want, and, I, and I love the business, so I wanted to do that myself. But to your question, once you start having young kids, there is that balance. And mm -hmm. if you don't find that balance, you very quickly realize that you'll never see them. Because yeah. they're asleep when you get home, and then you're asleep when they go to school, and then that's it. And it's a horrible routine. So uh, I try to do uh, as many events as we can that they're a part of, that they see. I want them to understand the business and what we do. And so I love it when we drive by the plaza, and they're like, Daddy's work. And yeah. they, they understand what's going on. But trying to find that balance is something that i'm working on because yeah. i want to i want to be there i want to watch them and, and have nights so for example now i might not go in on a sunday uh, even unless there's a big event something happening i'll spend sundays with the kids or like maybe once or twice a week i'll try to get home at 4 30 5 o'clock spend an evening with them, even if i have to go back later on so that i can have that time with them but it's definitely uh, yeah. it's given me a lot of perspective because it's an important thing to want to be with them and spend that time yeah. Well, you're creating opportunities for other people to enjoy that balance through the things that you've done with your property, Jonathan. So Thank we you. appreciate not only your time, but, but what you're doing for our industry, because it is, it is something that is inspiring the next generation. Well, thank you very much. And I realized when you said, let's just jump right into it. I didn't thank you guys for having me join you here. So thank you very much for letting me be on your podcast and uh, share a little bit of uh Insight into sharks, pickleball, and uh, martinis. I yeah. <laughs> well, and, it's, and burros. It's, yeah. I can't wait to be pickled in a giant martini glass. So that's how we're going <laughs> to. Well, we, we appreciate your time and thank you for joining us. Thank you. Awesome. Want to experience more of the NFR? Then visit nfrexperience.com. And we invite you to subscribe to NFR Extra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and wherever you're listening right now. If you like what you've heard on NFR Extra, we would love it if you gave us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe. <laughs>